Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with Tom Craggs about how to master the long run. If anyone knows, it's him, it's Tom, Tom, isn't it? Tom knows. I mean, I was waiting for you to fill that in. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, well, Tom is one of the most high-profile and well-thought-of coaches in the land, I would say. Yeah, I would, I would agree. So there we go. We only get the best here, Rick. Yeah, we do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah Cream got, of the crop. Um, got Damien, Damien Hall coming on next, for, for oh. crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Hey, speaking of mastering the long run. Very good. Thank you very much. Ailish McColgan is the new uh, holder of the British Half Marathon record. She ran a time of 1.06.26 at the Raz Elm Kamaya Half Marathon in the UAE. And that's 21 seconds, made famous by So Solid Crew, 21 seconds faster than the previous record held by Her Royal Highness Paula Radcliffe. And that stood for 21 years. 21 seconds faster after 21 years. I see a pattern forming, Rick. <laughs> it all leads to Rome. Dan Brown, about the novel. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, ben, you've been, um, you've been away for a week. Um, have you been running? It's half term. Half term, Rick. No, I didn't do anything. Just, you know, hang, hanging out with the fam. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I, um, I've been on the treadmill because of Storm Eunice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't want to go outside, so I've been on the treadmill. It's been good. I've been, yeah, it's been nice. I've been doing some running. Been on, been on that there Zwift. Um, oh, lovely! This is so the inter- been, interactive treadmilling. Oh, it's the future, Rick. So uh, I don't know if you're aware, but it is the future. I'm going to be signing up for some e-gaming, <laughs> uh, e-sports. Watch coming soon. Going to make my fortune. Brilliant. Uh, no, it's just it, it, it's good, and uh, I've been doing some. Actually, do you know what I was doing? I I, I took some of our uh, fast hard incline work on the treadmill to try and replicate doing sort of like heavier weight lifting power stuff and i was that was that was good actually it kind of worked relatively well on the treadmill so that's, I like that's it. what like sort of 10 seconds of extremely quickly up a up a up a big incline. i mean i just put the treadmill on 12 and, okay. and that was because yeah, yeah. that's the sort of as much incline as i can get out of it and then just yeah you can i basically just went I sort of trialed and errored the speed just to see, and basically, yeah, as you say, I like, went for ten seconds where it feels like I'm gonna like that's as much as I've got. And it was good, yeah, yeah. It definitely makes a difference, and running fast makes you feel like you're doing best running that yeah, you can yeah, do yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's exhilarating, isn't so, it? So um, yeah, um, yeah, a bit of uh, a bit of treadmill, but I'm now I'm I now need to uh, fill in the gaps of going outside again because I've got to the point where I'm just like, no, I need to go outside and yeah, breathe some yeah, fresh yeah, air yeah. and not the sweaty the sweaty room yeah. air that I've created. <laughs> Um, how, how's your knee? Yeah, knee- how's, how's post-surgery life? Yeah, post-surgery is, is going well. So it's been yeah, it's been three weeks now since uh, knee surgery, and I think another month I'll be I'll be able to do a little bit of running. Um, had some exciting news. I can't go into details, Ben, contractually, but um, the hamstrings, <laughs> oh, no. the world's only band playing songs exclusively about long-distance running, uh, may have a festival booking. 
this summer. Are you serious? I'm serious. You're not going to run first run, are you? Um, I can't name any names. Um, oh my goodness. No, no, no. It, isn't, it, it isn't run first run. Um, oh. And if you know about running a music festival, there's only one left. But it, so it may be happening. But, <laughs> but we don't, I can't, not, it's not, nothing's definite yet. But, um, oh my God. So, I can't yeah. wait to see it at the pyramid stage, right? This is exciting. <laughs> I think it'll be a minor stage. I'll be honest, I think it'll be a minor stage. All right, West Holtz, but still, Glastonbury's a big deal, mate. Congratulations. <laughs> anyway, so that's something that I'll be probably harping on about in, in weeks to come. So that's one to avoid. Um, well, I think we should get, um, get on our guest of the week. Yeah, let's do it. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete unknown. Our guest this week is England Athletics Road Running Manager and the Head Coach for Runners World. His monthly training column, Personal Best, offers insights into how to become a better, happier runner. And we're delighted to have him back on the podcast to focus on the long run. So, Tom, welcome back to the Runners World podcast. Thank you very much. I, um, I particularly like um, the idea that I make runners happier. I don't know that I necessarily do, but if I do, <laughs> I'm succeeding in life. No, it's great to be back. Maybe people could email in. Is, is Tom making you a happier runner? Let us know. Um, so can we start then just very very basics what what do we mean when we say the long run because it's a term that comes up all the time yeah i mean i actually think you're spot on that that is that is a really good starting point because what is long as a long run will be different for different people depending on your starting point and depending on the event that you're training for so you know i i appreciate that many people listening in might not necessarily be racing over 800 meters or 1500 meters, but some might do. And if you do, clearly a long run for you is going to look quite different to somebody that's training for a marathon or an ultra. So I get less caught up in what it means in terms of the overall volume, how many miles you do or how much time on feet you do, and more what you're trying to get out of it and more what it's trying to do for you. So I guess the long run is your, whether you do it weekly, whether you do it bi-weekly, however you do it, it's your, it's one of your kind of key runs to help build endurance in your, in your training plan, basically. And as the name suggests, it's a run which generally uh, takes you a little bit longer in terms of time on feet than most of your other training. Really simply put, we can get into the details later, I'm sure. (laughs) What are the biggest benefits of a long run? Well, obviously, if you're training for a longer distance event a marathon so you know that's when you're going to be uh adjusting to the time on feet and maybe nutrition strategy and all those sort of nuanced bits and pieces that come with running quite a long way but is there sort of just a bigger benefit of the long run yeah def- definitely and that's the reason why i mean look obviously i mentioned sort of 800 meters 1500 meters and you might think well why would you go out and still run 60 70 80 90 minutes whatever it ends up being and that's because there are physiological changes that take place when we do our long run we spend a little bit longer on our feet that can be useful across the different distances basically so the if we're going out and running particularly if we're running at a lower intensity and easier pace long run There's a lot that happens in terms of um, improving our capillary density. So the number of, um, of, of blood vessels to deliver oxygen to the muscles we can improve um, the number and function of our mitochondria, like the energy kind of factory, if you like, within ourselves. Um, we can improve our body's ability to, to, to burn stored fat more effectively, for example, particularly that starts to happen as we move beyond 60 to sort of 70 minutes onwards. A lot of those changes start to take place um, and, it, and it provides us a way to kind of stress our body 
in terms of endurance as opposed to in terms of intensity now obviously if you're out running for 30 to 40 minutes some of that stuff is still happening i'm not saying it isn't um but what the long run allows us to do is to create a a decent dosage of of stress good stress in your body but without it necessarily having to come from high intensity running basically um so it's a lot of it's about the physiology as opposed to necessarily just the kind of race specific training what are some of the classic mistakes tom obviously you've trained loads of people and um you may have seen certain like trends that people do with a long run that maybe you say you've got you've got to stop doing that like what 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 are some of the mistakes people make yeah i mean i think the obvious one is the one that goes for trading across the board which is like long run being a microcosm of of a broader training plan that builds up too fast too soon i mean i think that's the obvious one and and the classic example of where that happens is in the marathon obviously so if we take the traditional, um, you know, when a London marathon might traditionally sit in April rather than as it is at the moment in in the autumn, you've got your kind of 16 weeks, you come into that maybe not having done any long runs and you're just trying to build up too fast, too soon. And therefore the long run can create quite a lot of stress and quite a lot of damage um, in your body. But more than that, it's just there's only so much there's only so much of a fast rate your body can kind of adapt to at any given time so being really i think just being too greedy with how much you jump them up each time so if you suddenly go from like okay i'm doing an hour and in three weeks time i'm trying to do two and a half hours you know realistically your body's probably going to start to grumble about that Um, and running them too hard to be honest that that's the other bit is like even your long runs and i think particularly that again true with the marathon um if you're going out and you're doing two hours two and a half hours even three hours sometimes people will do more um and you're running it basically as hard as you could for that amount of time you can reason you can definitely expect your 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 chances of injury to increase but also just to arrive at race day kind of burnt out and tired so building up too fast and running it a bit too hard is definitely the two big ones and also sometimes going too long with it just doing too many too long um again arriving at race day tired it's interesting you're saying about this sort of 16 week program like and long runs being something that's new to people would you then say that actually to, to run a good marathon to be able to incorporate long runs in the right way you, you actually should be starting not as a complete beginner perhaps but actually long runs are something that you've been doing for a little bit and then you go into a 16 week training program and it's and it feels a little bit less of a shock yeah, I, I really do think so. And I think that, you know, if again, if we use that kind of January to April example, I actually think, you know, your November, December period is, is a really important period to lay a foundation on which to do that sort of training program. So what, you know, what that exactly looks like in terms of how far you're going by January is down to you, but probably I would want an athlete to be reasonably comfortable running 75 to 90 minutes at least by the time they get to january in order to move into a marathon training program and you notice i'm using time as well because you think a lot of training programs will set long runs to distance the, the problem that i've got with that a little bit is that you um if you're a little bit slower so if i'm asking an athlete that runs two and a half hours for a marathon to do 20 miles in training at a at a pace slower than marathon pace that might only take them two hours but if you're running for five or six hours 20 miles is going to take you a long time and that is very very depleting so one of the things that um those of us that run a little bit slower 
um, struggle with sometimes, and I'll put my hand up to this, is that you know, I think there was a limit beyond probably three hours, three hours, 15 minutes, where I start to question whether there are there is really any benefit and whether actually doing that extra bit just to get to 20 miles or whatever it might be might end up just leaving you too tired. And a lot of people will struggle with that because there will be listeners that go out in a build-up to marathon and they're doing three and a half, four hours plus for a good number of weekends before the marathon. And that to me is quite it's very depleting. Um, so I without we'll maybe answer it again in a sec, but I'd spread it out over the week a bit more. I wouldn't rely on just one long run. I might spread it out a little bit more. People might be familiar with some of the work of the Hansons in the States yeah, who are, who are yeah. well known for this. That's very interesting because I know that the long run is also that sort of benchmark to grade how successful things are going. So if you say like someone is, is planning to run four and a half hours, say they they, they want to be able to go off and do 22 miles at marathon and like be doing that, you know, weekends consecutively before tapering. So it's nice to sort of hear that actually, you know, beyond a certain time frame, perhaps it's detrimental to what you're trying to achieve. I really, I mean, I don't know, I just think here, I think, I think there's, there's plenty of, um, of research to back it up, but also just anecdotal experience in, in my, you know, as a coach, you're always trying to balance between people's physical conditioning and then their psychological conditioning. And we need to recognize both. And of course, the big risk is that you have this big deficit between, you know, your longest long run and then what you're asking yourself to do on race pace. And that is mentally very challenging. But what what I generally say is if in order to prove to yourself you're ready, you end up completely cutting the legs out of your marathon, what's the point? You know, just to prove to yourself. So by by doing that kind of proving to yourself you're ready, you've almost made sure you're not going to be ready. It's not logical. And so the marathon always and we've kind of drifted towards the marathon the marathon always requires a leap of faith and between that bridging between what your hardest long run looks like or your longest long run and what you're going to do on race day because most of us aren't going to run 26 miles in training um those things are a lot easier when we talk about the other distances because you can run 10k plus you know as you're building it to a 10k or even up to a half marathon potentially in training marathon this is a really difficult area with the overall volume i would say can we talk about some of the different approaches? Because I think the Hanson one is really interesting. And my understanding of it, Tom, you'll be more familiar with it, but it has a kind of 10-mile long run and then a 16-mile long run. And then when it gets really sort of the serious end of training, you might do a 10 and then a 16 the next day. Um, is that is that Am I right in thinking that? And, and what do you think about that as a method? Yeah, I mean, for, for their sort of elite athletes, you know, those guys are still doing big volumes of training and they're still doing what the rest of us consider to be long, you know, long, long runs, 20 plus mile long runs. But for the athletes, those to the rest of us, whether we're kind of good club runners, whether we're kind of brand new into running, would say doing a marathon for the first time, their method relies on spreading that 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 stress and that volume across a week well not across a week across a whole training plan really or a whole training period but if we if we look at it as a week a lot of what a lot of marathon training plans put too much emphasis on one long run one huge dosage of stress we kind of know that the body likes frequency of stress it likes kind of drip to be drip fed into it so what it's trying to do is say we're trying to do something physiological we're trying to develop something physiological and if that can be done in a more sustainable way by spread taking that one massive dosage of stress and spreading it out across a week so maybe you do something slightly longer on a thursday maybe you're going out and doing 70 80 90 minutes on a thursday as well as your longer long run on a Sunday. Yes, sometimes even an ultra runners might be familiar with this, doing 
some medium long runs back to back Saturday, Sunday, for example. It's not to say that that is definitely the right way to do it. But what, what I'm saying is, it is helpful sometimes to realize that there are other ways to do things yes. other than yes. bang, long run that builds up 10 minutes, 15 minutes each week, all the way through 16 weeks, then you cut back and you're good to go. There are other ways to do it. Similarly with the intensity, hard, easy, completely changes what a long run does for you um, and what it's trying to do for you. And that needs to be done differently for different distances. So like not only is the length, the, the length of your long run different, if you're racing 5k or 10k or 1500 meters and um, but also the intensity at which you run it needs to change and differ across the different distances um or, or when i say needs to might benefit from i think it's probably better is that about putting like race pace um sections into a long run what, what do you think about that as a way to kind of get more squeeze more from it okay so um, let's take our sort of let's compare a long run for a 5k compared to a long run for a marathon for example the long run or your longer runs for a marathon are probably the most specific session you're going to do they're the most marathon specific session you're going to do so when you get into that last period of you know six eight ten twelve weeks before a marathon i would for most runners not all of them for for most runners recommend it's worth doing some of those long runs quite at a decent intensity getting pretty close to marathon race pace not for the whole thing but just for blocks of it so maybe you do two and a half hours and you include three by 20 minutes of, of marathon pace maybe you run for two and a half hours and you have an hour where you're alternating a little bit slower than marathon pace a little bit quicker than marathon pace you're doing something or, or maybe you just run the whole thing that might be like a steadier intensity so maybe you're only 20 30 seconds a mile slower than marathon pace so it's not jogging basically because you know and maybe if you're running five or six hours on race day you are looking to keep your race pace easy but if you're running closer to say three hours three and a half hours four hours actually you're kind of running steady and so we need to do a bit of that in training. For 5K, though, the long run is there to do something physiological. It's there to condition your body. And the risk is if you go out and you bang out really hard, too much intensity in your long runs for 5K, what it ends up doing is your fast sessions, your interval sessions, your tempo runs, the other things that you need to run a good 5K, it ends up detracting from those and taking away from those. So it's almost kind of it's slightly ironic in a way that almost – in a key period before a 5k for most of the runners i coach they would be doing slightly easier pace long runs for a marathon they'd be doing slightly harder pace long runs and that's just because of what's the long run doing for you is it specific to the race you're doing or is it just doing something physiological to support your other specific sessions um with the marathon it's it's your key session and so you you toughen it up a little bit not necessarily every week and you can use races as well you know you can go do a half marathon at marathon race pace and do some easy running either side of it all sorts of good stuff you can do um but definitely ultimately you're trying to do something in training that is there to doing some of replicating what race day is going to feel like basically in the long run for a marathon um and an ultra depending on the distance would you find that there's a a tipping point where people become obviously this is a, we're sort of applying a general rule to a lot of different people and i'm just wondering if there's a sort of like there are the anomalies that we know of who run ultras off of 30 miles a week and you, you know that sort of they have a the, the long run perhaps isn't what everyone would consider a long run should be is there a way that you can sort of find out or work out 
personally if there's a if, if the long run isn't for you and you can approach it in a different way as in you can take on this Hansen method of breaking the stress down or is it that actually you could you'll benefit far more from cutting that distance in half and training harder in the gym or you know that sort of stuff is, is there a sort of telltale signs oh it's, it's this is this is like this is the the magic and art of coaching or self-coaching <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and the reality is like i'd love to pretend i mean there, there is some there are some things you look for as a coach um uh, but some of it i'll be completely honest with you is a bit of trial and error is a bit of tinkering so what i'd always say is you've got to try and make sure that you set up either if you are a coach that's great you set up really good feedback loops with a coach feedback loops i mean like you communicate really well how did you feel after that long run what does the data suggest are you is your pace massively dropping off at the you know towards the end of a long run which might not be anything to, it might be fueling it might not be anything to do with with whether you respond to long runs or not you might just be pacing it wrong or fueling it wrong or whatever but you, you have these kind of ways to assess whether it's working for you but I would also say, and this is a very, this is a rule of thumb. It's not a, it's not a, it's not scientific method as such. But I would tend to think of runners generally falling into two broad groups. And I've written about this in Runners World. About there are those of us that are a little bit more what I'd call um, kind of fast twitchy type runners. So even and this is relates to the marathon. So it's not oh you're a fifteen hundred meter runner and you're a marathon runner. It's more just around you know are you the sort of person that can get out the door and run pretty quick straight away? Do you have that kind of punchy dynamic running? stride or are you more of like a diesel engine sort of you get up and go and it takes a few miles to ease into it and go with it so i've got um um, a couple of runners that i coach at at the moment one of them is has has run massively quicker over 5k by doing stuff like she's she's an ultra training she's training for 100k she'd i'm not recommending this necessarily to everybody's to add but she'd do big weekends she might do and really slow almost run walking like four hours Saturday, four hours Sunday, you know, she's training for hundred K at a very good level. So like context is important and the, but the intensity is so low and she's improved over 5k just because her, her, her aerobic foundation is so big from doing that sort of work. But to be honest, if I chuck loads of interval training at her and then reduce the long run to allow her to run it quick enough, it doesn't make any difference. She said the, the, the mechanics aren't right for it. But if you're somebody that is a bit more dynamic and a bit kind of faster twitch and, you, you know, you respond well to that quick running. If you do a lot of long, slow and steady running, you can end up deadening a little bit. You know, some of your your nat- natural kind of um, way of running, I suppose. It's just kind of getting that sense. And, you know, you you have a look back. There, there is um, an article I wrote a few months ago um, on, on various different kind of ways you can assess that. Um, you know, um, does the idea of, you know, 10 by 90 seconds fill you with absolute dread or is that the sort of thing in which you go oh yeah actually like i can have a bit of a crack at that it's under it's just understanding what you, a little bit of what your running dna is and actually if you feel that the long run is knackering you every week and you, you're kind of you're just you're finding yourself exhausted through the week have a little look at it and go am i fueling it right Am I pacing it sensibly or am I trying to absolutely batter myself through it? And if I am fueling it correctly and I am pacing it right, maybe there's another way I could do this um, to to allow me to, to have that balance across my other training sessions and my other running. Um, and if that's you, trust that that can work. There's a, there's, you know, 
countless examples of athletes that have run very well, even in long distance races of not very long, long runs, to be honest. Camille Heron, even in the um, ultra, you know, 100, 100 miles, her, long, her longest long run might only be, I think she said before, like what you're doing a marathon, 21, 22, 23 miles. So you can achieve an awful lot of not going too crazy with a long run. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What about new shoe technology? Has that changed the kind of uh, how the rules around long runs? For instance, can we now run longer or more frequently because the shoes are doing a little bit of the work and maybe taking some of the pressure off legs? You really, really, really good point. Um, yes, probably. Well, I think there are there are people who respond to 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 carbon technology differently and across different brands. You know, um, so you've got to have a you've got to have a. Um, there are carbon shoes and there are carbon shoes. Ultimately, there are some that are definitely more race orientated, and there are some that you know we can training a little bit more um but generally i would say that i'm finding athletes recovering more quickly after long runs um now it's it it's a very expensive thing to do to go and do your long runs in a pair of 250 60 70 quid shoes because they'll they will wear out quite quickly so that's got to be an individual choice and you also still do need to condition your body part of the long run is conditioning your muscles so having that impact isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as it's managed carefully the reality is though yes they they will they will have you will find less impact. Most people will find less impact on their muscles afterwards, less muscle soreness afterwards. Um, so can help. Does that mean you should do more or should do it harder? Mm. Don't know. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know that we know enough yet. I think it's an area that we should, we probably need to look at. Yeah. Have you, have you, have you had to adjust training like methods or techniques or sort of certainly like even, um, strength and conditioning work for people to condition to benefit from the shoes so i think the one of a couple of dangers with them are if you only use them on race day 
or when kind of around one or two key sessions. The problem is if let's say, let's say you want to go and break four hours for the marathon and you're going to, you, you're going to break your, you've run four hours in a marathon wearing carbon shoes, but in training, you don't wear them. If you're trying to chase those paces in training on a day on a, at a pace requires you to have carbon shoes. It's a chance you train too hard, like you're running too hard effectively. So you've got to have a sense of the, realistically for a lot of people, carbon shoes in, will see you running faster. Not for everybody, but I think for for a lot of probably most people. So some of it's about expectation setting and training. You might just have to go a little bit slower if you're not wearing a shoe. So as you don't, to ensure you're not running too hard. So that's one thing. The conditioning, this I this is just a personal thing, and I'd love like a a um, somebody working in um, academic research to do a study on this, and maybe they are at the moment. One of the key measures of running performance, there are three main physiological areas of running performance, lactate threshold, VO2 max, running economy. What the carbon shoes do is help from a running economy side of things by creating that bit of stiffness. You know, when your foot hits the ground, you get that, you get that kind of bounciness, which in the past, the way we would do that would be improving our tendon stiffness, the reactivity of our tendons, Achilles tendon, you know, patella tendon, those things by doing drills and by, you know, doing various different types of conditioning work and, and running sessions. So I'd be really keen to know if over time those things retrograde because the shoes are doing it for us. So I do still think that there is an important role to play in your conditioning sessions to ensure that you're still doing that kind of um plyometric work is like jumping so like at a basic level skipping for example something when your foot's hitting the ground and you're getting that kind of kind of really firm foot and, and, and just kind of strong foot strike to develop that kind of reactivity short hill very short hills for example to develop power um so it's almost like not necessarily conditioning your body to to use the shoes but just being aware that potentially by wearing the shoes you're almost shortcutting something we should be training our body to do so can we still do that in other ways i think i think but there's not i don't i don't think there's much research on it so that is literally just my speculation as a coach probably <laughs> we like we, we we love speculation the Rise World podcast we're known for it well i think as long as you're honest about it it's not like it's not me saying this is scientific fact no, no, because no, yeah. you might well get somebody <laughs> going well there's no evidence for that at all um the, the reason why it's important is because long term We've, we've, I mean, we've had th this carbon technology now for you know two, three, four years. So it's, it's, it's. We're starting to get more of a sense. So maybe, maybe I'm kind of off with this. Maybe I'm, I'm a year or two behind with my thinking. But you know, I still think that there's probably a potential for long term. Are we doing something? Are we potentially deconditioning our body by having a piece of technology doing something which, which actually we should be training our bodies to do as well? And what's the impact of that? Maybe there's no impact. Maybe it's fine. Um, but ultimately, you know, loading our tendons and our, and our, and our muscles is part of a, is a, is a natural running activity. Um, um, so losing that would potentially cause me worry, both from a performance and an injury point of view. Mm. Um, yeah that's interesting yeah well anyway back to the long <laughs> yeah. one so we don't so we don't deviate too much every time we talk about shoes on this we do always get an email being like these shoes should be illegal and then oh. everyone else goes there they're fine <laughs> yeah so i know it well <laughs> yeah um uh, i mean it's a sort of never-ending piece of string the long run questions because i feel like that you know as you say every distance is different and every person is different but 
Um, how how long and how far do you think your longest run should be in the build up for a marathon? Say, I mean, we've talked. I mean, you have sort of covered this a bit in terms of a time specific thing in terms of if, if you're going for a certain length of time. But is there um, is there a nuanced way of working that out when it's if your training plan says 20 miles and you go actually do you know what no yeah look i i really do believe um if you're jack i mean jack daniels i think i you know he's a very famous american coach would say even for a beginner anything beyond two and a half hours there's just there's just no point doing it to me that does require a huge leap of faith because that means that the vast majority, you know, it's a high percentage of people are not going to go much beyond 16, 16-ish miles. Um, I think for me, that three to three hour range is really starting to get to that point. And I, I just don't, you know, for a marathon, I just don't think if you're running them at a, a kind of a decent, like a steadier sort of intensity, you're not just doing a, an amble like, like with the athlete I mentioned earlier on, it's kind of really, really slow. There's running and walking and it's just, it's very super low intensity. That's a little different for an ultra, but for a marathon, you're going to ask your body to run steady. So, you know, getting used to running steady in training is useful in which case three to three, three hours, 15 minutes is starting to be very fatiguing. And for some runners, that's still too far. Like, you know, definitely for quicker athletes, you know, where you might look at, at mileage, I mean, you know, probably a sweet spot. If you feel like you can cover it in less than that time and say less than three hours, 22 to 23 miles is absolutely plenty, I would say, for most people. There are runners that do more. I definitely are. Um, you know, Ali Dixon used to do a marathon in the build-up to training um, for a marathon. But just bear in mind that she's running that at six and a half minute miles. So, you know, she's not, she's still going to be under my, under that, that kind of window there, isn't she? Um, and I definitely understand. And I, I know other athletes that do that and I understand why. And I think it's good for, you know, it can be really good from a psychological point of view. For most of us, that's not going to work. Like that will see us losing our, because we're not Olympians, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sadly. Yeah. So that will see us losing our best, our best race day performance because of that. So, you know, I think for most of us, there is a bit of a sweet spot, you know, three, three, three hours, three hours, 15 minutes, or, you know, 21, 22, probably 23-ish miles, you're starting to get to that really grey area of what's, is there much point going yeah. much beyond this yeah. if I'm yeah. doing it at a decent pace? I mean, so, yeah, so if someone's going for six hours, I mean, that's, obviously it's a big leap to say do three, three and a half, three fifteen, because then that's half of the race basically for them. So, but then again, time on feet for 23 miles is, is it's, it's got to be a huge stress. So if someone's going for a really long you know, if not if someone's going for that sort of longer time frame, is it is it is it better to go for distance because they're going to need to have that time on feet? I would I would say, and this comes back to what we're saying about sort of Hanson stuff. Try to view your training. It is it's not the long run that gets you around a marathon. It's the accumulation of all of your training, and so your peak long runs are just the, they're just the highest point in that sort of you know tidal wave of training the power of a tidal wave is the force of water behind it not how high the peak is right so think of your training like that if you've got those weeks and weeks of of running in where maybe you're doing two hours two hours 15 minutes that it, you build up through that not just to try and get you to your three hours three hours 15 minutes but because that training accumulates and you get fitter and stronger. So put less weight on what that one individual key long run looks like and see the training in total is what will get you there on race day. If you are absolutely determined to go longer, 
Like if you if you're like, no, there's literally no way. I'm not listening to this. I'm not having it. I have to do 22 miles in order to feel ready, and I'm going to do it regardless of what you say. In which case, keep the intensity down, which means you probably will be out for even longer on feet. But if you go and run that really hard, um, 22, 23 miles, and let's say that's going to take you four hours, four or 15 minutes, and you go and push it pretty hard, harder than you plan to run on race day, because you think, oh, well, I'm only doing 22 miles, so should I come on? You, you probably will find yourself tired on race day. So if you absolutely must, then keep the intensity down. Just, just you know, almost treat it like you're doing an ultra training run. Um, but just do understand there are risks with that. It's 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 the accumulation of your training that sees you sees you run a good marathon. Um, other than trying to hit a certain mileage or a certain time, what else can you use the long run for, as far as what to practice? Yeah, so we, we mentioned specific paces. You know, I definitely would look to do that, particularly if you're, you know, a little bit quicker. Maybe you're trying to run three hours. You know, inside three hours, three and a half hours. Use your long runs put in blocks of your goal race pace, particularly towards the back the back of it. I think that'd be useful. But of course, it being the most specific long run you do, it's also your opportunity to practice race day fueling and race day kit. So it is an and maybe not every single long run, but you do in that period of like four, five, six weeks out. You do want to get used to the kit you're going to be using on race day. This is for the marathon I'm talking about now or for an ultra. Um, You need to know because stuff like kit rubbing in the wrong places can absolutely undo your marathon Um, to practice it. You're not going to know until you get two, two and a half hours in a run whether something's annoying you or not kit-wise sometimes. To do that, fueling, though, is critical. And and I really – this is – the, the, the research is really clear on it. It's not, you know, there, there are lots of things people do with like depleted training runs to try to stimulate stat fat sores and all of that. To be honest, what we know is that um, the more we practice with training with gels, with other versions of sports nutrition, the better able we are to to use that um, that that um, carbohydrate intake. We we um, uh, get our body more accustomed to absorbing that we improve our, our gut's ability to process that so the reason why i think a lot of people sometimes struggle with gels is because they just didn't try hard enough to practice and i, I i've had frustrated conversations with runners sometimes where they said oh, well, gels don't work for me okay how long did you practice with them in training i did it two or mm. three times well then you you sorry but you don't deserve <laughs> for that not to hurt your stomach because you didn't you didn't try like yeah it's a process that needs to happen over the course of eight 10 12 weeks where you you just gradually work at it by taking on gels by taking on whatever it is it could be jelly babies it could be solid food if that's what's going to work for you particularly in ultras and stuff but you have to practice not just in one or two runs it needs to be a longer term process um and you know really we should get to the point where our body can take on 50 60 plus grams of carbohydrate an hour um um and and some people can cope with more than that it just needs practice so that is absolutely one of the key things that you can do with your long run you can do it on some of your other runs too but but obviously a long run provides you the time to take on two three four gels whatever it's going to be tom thanks so much for your time and coming on the the runners world podcast talking about the long run and and lots of stuff around it as well um absolutely great to uh, to speak with you so thanks for coming on it's always a pleasure and i'll look forward to catching up with you soon yeah great cheers both thanks Thanks. cheers So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Big thanks to our guest, Tom Craggs, and to you, of course, for listening. Uh, You can subscribe to Runners World magazine, uh, and it'll arrive every single month at your doorstep. So go onto the internet, search Runners World magazine, uh, UK, 
uh, subscription and you'll find it there and you can subscribe and that's really good. Uh, if you're an impatient sort who doesn't want to wait for things to come through the door, just head to runnersworld.com slash UK and find all of the things that you need to know about running right there and just read it online. Um, they're two different things though, so you should probably do both. Um, that's about it. You'll hear from us next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.